0: Hallelujah. Isn't the Lord worthy of all praise and honor this morning? Oh, praise the name of Jesus. Praise his name. Would you please turn with me to Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14. That is our text this morning. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14. Father, we ask you to bless this time and the reading of your word that we would, Lord, have revelation brought to us that we would fully understand the power of the resurrection in Jesus' name. amen. Amen. Hebrews chapter 2 14, it's also on the screen there for you. And I read this to you. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity, so that by his death, he might destroy him who holds the power of death, that is, the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by the fear of death. Jesus came to deliver us, to set us free. And uh, this verse tells us that the, the death and resurrection of Jesus disarmed the power of death, and the fear of death. But what's interesting about this portion of Scripture is it says that Satan has the power of death. How could that be? How could Satan hold the power of death? I thought Jesus had the keys of hell and death. How is it? Did it take the resurrection to get the keys that Jesus had from Satan? Did Satan have the power to pick and choose whom he would kill? That would take away the sovereignty of God, wouldn't it? How is it then that we have one called Satan holding the power of death? Well, I'd like to take you into that and understand this. First of all, the reason the Bible says he has the power of death is because he's the accuser. He's the accuser. Now, that's not the typical picture you may have thought of for Satan. He sent out bogus pictures and bogus reports of who he was through the ages. He put bogus reports of having a red face with horns. Is that me, eh? Am I the one causing all that trouble? No. He's the one who who sent out false advertisement to think he had a long tail and a pitchfork. But it wasn't. That's not a true image of him. In Ezekiel, it says that he is beautiful, that he is the perfection of wisdom and beauty. And Paul says, don't fall to his schemes... He can be an angel of light and draw you in and attract you to the light. I want to tell you, don't go to the light unless you know who's at the other side of it. Amen. Satan, he's an accuser. The book of Revelation chapter 12 tells us that he accuses the brethren night and day. You see, the power of death that Satan has is only because of the fallenness of Adam, our next person in the story here, the accused. Who is he accusing? Adam. All of those in the family of Adam. You see, Adam sinned, rebelled against God, and when Adam rebelled against God, he locked in a broken covenant for he and his family and all of his seed, which we all are. And there was one law, if you eat of the tree, the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall surely die. And so the law is the wages of rebellion or the wages of sin is death. And that is the law of God. Adam put us all under that weight. And so the reason the devil has the power of death is because we're fallen and he accuses us Of our sins. You see, it's the law that separates us from God. The law is God's holiness. He is so holy and righteous that the rebellious state of sin cannot dwell in His presence. Sin is separation from God. And so the devil knows this basic law of the universe the wages of sin is what? Death. Adam is under the curse of the law of sin and death. And if he's under the law of sin and death, if we're under the law of sin and death, then he can accuse us and hold us accountable to that law before God. There's the power of death. The power of death is in the weakness of our flesh. Paul tells us the law is good, but what the law couldn't do because of the sin of our flesh, Christ had to come do. This is me, huh? That's all about. But we'll have to live through it. Can you live through it? Good. We don't have any alternatives. Now, the reason He has the power of death is because the law condemns us all and He simply has to accuse us and hold us accountable to the law. And there it is. And so because we're all under a death sentence, we fear it. Let's look at what he can do. He can enforce that power of death because he uses fear. We're afraid of God. The first action that Adam and Eve took was to hide. For fear of God, they knew they broke the law, and the law meant death. And so they're afraid of that death, and they hid. So one of the first tactics Satan uses is fear that's what our text told us today in Hebrews 12 I'm sorry Hebrews 2 that he held us in slavery by the fear of death secondly he uses our flesh he knows that we are fallen and that the temptations of our flesh we know nothing but sin A man who's born of Adam and not born of Christ knows nothing but sin. The only power he has is the power and the ability to sin. He can do nothing righteous. There's none righteous, no, not one. No man seeks God. Satan plays on that. So what he does is he tempts our flesh. When he tempts our flesh, we sin. When we sin, he enforces the law. And what does the law say? The wages of sin is death. We're all under the weight of that condemnation. You'll have to forgive me. I'm not only popping and sputtering, but I'm also coughing too. Sounds like an old car. (laughs) Need some repairs. I'll try and get through this the best I can. How many of you know it's the Holy Spirit anyways? It's not the vessel. We're in a predicament here. I don't know how we're going to get out of this thing. You see, you've got God's perfect justice. He's holy. God can't allow one sin to go unpunished. What kind of a righteous judge would he be if he allowed one exception, just one? If he allowed one exception of sin, that would set a precedent, wouldn't it? It would set a precedent for the next sin and the next sin. God is holy and just. He cannot tolerate one sin. One sin. One sin. doesn't matter if it was eating a fruit or if it was killing Abel. He can't tolerate it. God is holy and just. So... I don't know what we're going to be able to do with this situation and the devil knows it and the devil accuses and the devil has the power of death because we're fallen in sin and he can continually go to the throne and say they're guilty, they're guilty, they're guilty by your decree and your holiness, oh great and wonderful God, you must cause them to die. And he would be right. And we find ourselves held Under the fear of that condemnation continually. Do you know a world out there lives like that every day, brothers and sisters? Oh, they've got excuses. They've come up with evolution. They've come up with atheism. They've come up with different gods. They've come up with different mantras. They've come up with different religions to try to satisfy it. But there's one thing you can't escape. It's 100%. Everybody dies. And everybody is under the fear of that death. But there's a solution. We saw the accuser, we saw the accused, but now there's an advocate. Hallelujah. Oh, praise God. There's a solution to this problem that no one understood, no one knew about, the devil couldn't comprehend. It was set within God from the beginning of eternity. It was held in the secret mysteries of the Lord that only he knew that he would send an advocate. Jesus Christ, also known as the last Adam, the Savior, Messiah, Son of God, Healer, Deliverer, Son of Man, Lily of the Valley. I could go on and on and on of what he's known. And so the solution is this, that Jesus, according to our text, said that we were children of flesh and blood, so he too shared in humanity. He came into time. He came into space. He came into earth and became flesh and blood so that he would face the accuser and the accusations head on. Tremendous what Christ did. And so Christ came and he died on this, the cross. This is the solution of God to where God's holy perfection, God's holy perfection is met by his love. And so Christ being sinless, not born of Adam, born of his race, but Christ's seed, Jesus' seed, came from God, though he was born of Mary, born of a virgin. He became a man, but he was not of the race of Adam. He was not of the descendancy of Adam because his blood was pure without sin and because he was without sin he could go to the cross and so what Christ did is he took all the sin of the broken covenant of Adam from the beginning of time to the end of time he took all sin upon himself and presented it to God as a living sacrifice so that he would take the wages of all of our sin he who knew no sin became sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. The great exchange at the cross took place. He took our sin upon Himself and then took the holy wrath of God's judgment on sin upon Himself, upon His being, therefore dying now under the weight of sin, fulfilling the law perfectly, that the wages of sin is death. But I love what happened. I love that he was put in a tomb. He died and he was supposed to die. Sin commands that it must bring death. And when they put him in the tomb, something was... Out of sorts, something cosmically was wrong. Something was a contradiction in the midst of this whole thing. For though he died for all the sins as the law said, he himself was sinless. And so death had brought its judgment against sin, but death ha- oh, couldn't go on On him. It it tried to hold him. It tried to keep him. But there was a mandate that he was without sin. And he who was without sin. Could not die. And so as the grave tried to hold him. As death tried to corrupt him. It could not do so. Because he was incorruptible. His body put on incorruption. He rose from the dead. Because he himself was sinless. And he broke the power of sin and death. Hallelujah. And he broke the power of the devil's accusations. Turn with me to Colossians chapter 2, verse 9. I love this verse. Colossians 2. We're starting at verse 9. Colossians chapter 2, verse 9. For in Christ all the fullness of the Godhead dwells bodily. And you have been given fullness in Christ who is the head. I think I could spend another week on that. The fullness of God dwells in him and you've been given the fullness in Christ. We better go on because we're talking about the resurrection, but I don't think we understand how full we are. I know a lot of people say that Christians are full of it, and we should say, yeah, that's right. (laughs) Full of the Holy Spirit and God's nature, amen? Now it says this, and you have been given fullness in Christ, who is the head over every power and authority. In him you were circumcised in putting off the flesh. Not Now, if you have the NIV, it says sinful nature. That's sarx in the Greek, S-A-R-X. It's better rendered flesh. In him you were circumcised in the putting off of the flesh, not with the circumcision done by hands of men, but by the circumcision done by Christ. Having been buried with him in baptism raised with him through your faith in the power of God who raised him from the dead. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the written code with its regulations that was against us and that stood opposed to us. He took it away, nailing it to the cross, And having disarmed the powers and the authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. You see, that's what it means. Satan had the law to accuse us. Christ perfectly fulfilled the law. And in fulfilling the law, he disarmed the accuser. Satan can no longer accuse us because of the advocate we have in Christ Jesus. He's cleansed us from all unrighteousness, John says. The blood of Jesus cleanses us from all unrighteousness. He cannot accuse us and the wages of sin will no longer bring death to us because we've been taken out of Adam and put in Christ. That's what the cross did. You see, it tells us that we were in Adam under the law of sin and death but because of what Christ did on the cross and our identification with him as he died for my sins, as he died for your sins. You were taken out of Adam. You were circumcised out of Adam. The old man was put to death and you were now born in Christ as a child of God. That then canceled The ability for the accuser to accuse you any longer. The power of the resurrection set us free from the law of sin and death. We now live in the law of the Spirit. Hallelujah. You are the righteousness of God. For Christ's righteousness is now imputed unto us. And we have become the righteousness of God. Praise His name. My goodness. You've been called justified. God declared you justified. The Father declared that as soon as you became identified in Christ with the work on the cross, He declared you justified. No longer a sinner. You are now reclassified as a saint. Adopted as his own son of God. Do you understand the power of the resurrection that did this? It exalted Christ as Lord, and it brought us out from the pit of accusation under the condemnation of the law into the righteousness of his chosen ones. That's us, brothers and sisters, and I think we need to learn how to walk like this, Many of you walk accused. Many of you walk condemned. You don't understand the exchange that took place at that cross to make you the righteousness of God. He's imputed His righteousness to you. Oh, I thank God for that. Now, if He did that, it means that He took away the power of death from the devil. And it says in our text, Hebrews 2.14, verse 15, it says, He freed those who all their lives were, we're held in slavery by the fear of death i'm not afraid of death look at this body has to die i understand that cuz it's still the old container that adam gave me i understand that this thing's not recyclable it's going down it's degradable but within me is a new creation So, I'm gonna shed this body. I mean, look at how God reversed this thing. We used to be afraid of dying. Now, dying is our entrance into glory. It used to be our condemnation into eternal punishment. But Jesus flipped this thing around and he said, I've opened a door for you into eternal life. He said, I want you to remain. Paul said, You know what? I can't take it. I'd, I'd much rather be with the Lord. You can tell Paul was Southern because a lot of times he says, y'all. He said, I'd rather be with the Lord than with y'all. But to live is Christ, to die is gain. I'll tolerate living in this body, this atom container, as long as I have to so that I can bring others to the knowledge of Christ. But he said, there's a door open to the believer now that eternity is set before us. What the devil used to cause fear upon us, now is something we rejoice about. Now I'm living a living sacrifice who will give my life unto Christ and unto the Lord, which all of you did when you came to know Christ. Did you know that? I don't know if you read the print in the Bible, but it says that when you came to Christ, you died. You gave your life to Christ. We say that all the time, don't we? Who wants to give their life to Jesus? Who wants to give their life to Jesus, right? We say that all the time. And we think, yeah, that what that really means is I'm going to pledge my love, pledge my heart to Jesus. No! It means you're dead. You have given your life to Christ if he so chooses to call you home in the next minute. Thy will be done, O oh Lord. If he calls you to go start a church in Afghanistan, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. What are your options? You, got it. you gave up your life. You've given your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, but you know what? He's going to use you. Paul said, we're like sheep given to the slaughter every day. And I think that uh, God is going to restore that back to His church. How many of you know, we're looking forward to this, aren't we? That God is going to restore martyrdom back to His church. How come nobody's praying for that gift? Hallelujah. (laughs) You know, the churches around the world already know that. They already know that. They don't pray to lessen the pain. They don't pray to stay out of prison. They pray to be faithful, to stay faithful. Now, what I want to show you this morning is the power of the resurrection. First of all, it is a personal adoption by God. The one thing that strikes me about the resurrection story is that Jesus rises from the dead, and then he makes personal visits. Come on! I mean, he's the king of glory. The resurrection, according to Paul, said that it proved his divinity. It proved him to be Lord. It declared him Lord above all, heaven and earth, right? So why has he got to go make personal visits? He's King Jesus. He just rose from the dead, but what's on his heart? What's the very first thing he wants to do? He wants to go visit Mary. That's what I love about the resurrection. We can talk about the resurrection. We can talk about the faith of Christianity. We can talk about it worldwide and talk about the church. But I want you to know one thing. Jesus cares about you personally. His resurrection is for you personally. If you'll look at the resurrection, Jesus stayed around. He stayed around for 40 days. I mean, what was waiting for him in heaven? His throne, all the angels, his glory, his majesty. He could have left us. He's busy. He's important. He's too important for me. And Jesus' message loud and clear is no. You matter to me. Jesus died for you. He went to Mary. He said, what are you doing in this dead place? This is a dead zone. I'm alive. She couldn't get over it. She had to hold on to him. He said, Mary, you're going to have to let go. But what he did is personally show hurt. Then he went over to Peter. Isn't that amazing? The guy that denied him, he goes and he makes a personal visit to Peter. I, I love that because he makes a personal visit to those who were in the church and are mad at the church and were in the faith and they're disturbed and upset and wounded and hurt. He makes a visit. How many of you know that Jesus just doesn't sit in the church, this building, this building, it's not this building, it's the people. Did you know that Jesus is making his rounds this morning? He's in every one of these houses in the neighborhood to find the Peters who've denied him and call him back. To find the Marys who are mourning and think they've lost everything. He's also looking for the Thomases. He said, Thomas, I know that you want to touch me. He wa- you want to see my hands and feet. Thomas, here I am, but you know what? Better than seeing... Come on, put your finger in my side. Whoa, I'm okay at this. No, I want you to fully know, you know, he came personally after the resurrection for a bunch of doubting people. That's the power of the resurrection. The power of the resurrection is to find doubting people. Don't pass them by. Don't think that they're not important to him. They're very important to him. Those who doubt, those who deny, those are the ones he's looking for to prove the power of the resurrection. He's he's going after people. So I love that the power of the resurrection is for doubters, for deniers, for believers, for those hurting. He came for you personally. The power of the resurrection is here with your name on it for you to receive it For God declared it to you. I love the second point. The power of the resurrection is power over death. God so loved the world He gave His Son that whosoever believeth in Him shall not perish but have what? Eternal life. The power of the resurrection is to supply you with eternal life. Not in the future, but right now. The power of the resurrection came after you. The power of the resurrection looked for you. And once He personally found you and opened your eyes to Him, He said, I want to give you eternal life. And immediately, as you confessed Him as Lord, you were sealed with the very Spirit of God's own nature put within you. That is awesome. Everyone here has personally been filled with the Spirit of God if you have confessed Him as your Lord and Savior. You now have been adopted by Him personally, not as a group, but individually. Oh, you've been made part of the group. But I can't get past this, brothers and sisters. God sought you out to personally give you eternal life so that you will spend eternity with Him. It's amazing. It's a power over death. He gave us power over fear. The power of the resurrection should break all fear. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil. Death now is a shadow. It has no power because I look to the sun who illuminates my path. We should not be afraid of death, brothers and sisters. Christians hold on to this life so desperately. We, we, we think that God has to do everything He can to keep us alive. If we would understand God's perspective to this. When He says, come on home, let's go. We should fear no death. And like I said, I believe that's what God's calling His church back to a radical commitment to loving the Lord and loving eternal life so much that you're ready and willing to enter into it. When he calls you to it, you don't have to be afraid anymore, brothers and sisters. You're in his hands, and eternal life is already residing in you. Let him have his way, and it breaks the power of the devil. Don't let him cause fear in you. I love that we now have, through the power of the resurrection, power over the devil and all his accusations. He can accuse me day and night, but it doesn't separate me from God. I may fail the Lord, and He may accuse me, and I can say, you're right, I did sin, but thank God I've got an advocate whose blood cleanses me and washes me. I'm glad that now that I'm in Christ, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who walk according to the Spirit. I'm in Christ Jesus For the law of the Spirit of life has set me free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. I don't live by the law of death. I don't live by the fear of death. I live by the law of life. And life abundantly. He gave me power over sin. I'm afraid we're not using that authority. We're not... We have power. Amen? We have power. And we have power over sin. Since we've been united with Him in death, we certainly will be united with Him in resurrection. Romans 8.66 says, For we know that our old man was crucified with Him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing, so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. That same power that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. Christ cannot die again. Therefore, consider yourselves. Impute that power over death that Jesus has over sin. Impute that power over sin. Right now, brothers and sisters, He has the power within you to keep you from sin. Unto Him who is able to keep me from falling. And He that's begun a good work in me is able to what? Complete it. Perfect it. Why are we falling to sin so easily, brothers and sisters? Why are we being tempted so easily? Because we lack the power of the resurrection. By no fault of Him and by no fault of that power. But because of our, get this, choices. That's it. That's it. Can you imagine that you've been given power over temptation? Power over the devil? Power over the lust of the flesh? Power over all the fear? But we succumb to it by a choice. It's time for us to live up to the expectation of the power of the resurrection. We also have power to transform our society. That's why we're still here, brothers and sisters. He didn't take us Right now, because he wants more to come to the knowledge of Christ. He wants to change this world and make the nations of this world the kingdoms of our God. Brothers and sisters, where do you think hospitals came from? Hospitals originated in the churches to care for the sick. Where do you think orphanages came from? Orphanages came from the church so that they could care for the widows, and the orphans. Welfare. Where do you think that came from? From the church. Caring for others. All of the benevolent activities of this world that our institutions once started from the church transforming society. Changing the brutality of this life by the message of the kingdom. Why? Because the power of the resurrection The power of the resurrection is what is going to change your life. It's what's going to change our lives and this area's life. The power of the resurrection. Roseville needs to know that the power of the resurrection is alive and well in this city. Whatever city you live in, They need to know that the power of the resurrection hasn't died. How many of you know that every year, Time Magazine, every year, all the writers, all the bloggers, instead of promoting Easter, everybody's got to criticize Christianity on our holy days. Isn't that interesting? Someone did a report, and most of the reports showed that the majority of coverage on Easter is negative towards the church. It's all right. That's just the shadow of death. We don't have to worry about that, but let's show the power of the resurrection in our midst. Amen. And f- Amen. Last of all, I conclude with this, the power of the resurrection is given to us so that we can give it to others, so that others may come to a knowledge of Christ. Within your mouth within your mouth is the power of salvation to speak through preaching, teaching, sharing and testimonies you can bring another to the same power of the resurrection that you have. Let's not hold it. He said, we are the salt of the earth. We are a city on a hill. We are the light of the world. This morning begins our each campaign. For the next 40 days, we are going to reach out to a lost world. Why? Because we have the power of the resurrection a power to change the world, a power to transform ourselves, a power to overcome sin, a power to overcome fear, a power to overcome death. That sounds like a lot of power to me, brothers and sisters. We've given it away to special interest groups. How many of you know that? The church has given its authority in the earth over to the gay agenda. The church has given its authority in the earth over to the abortion mills. The authority of the church has given its power over to industry, economics, politics. The church is no longer seasoning this world with salt. We're letting every other special interest group take it. It's time for the church to rise up. How do we do this? One person at a time bringing them to the knowledge and the power of this resurrection. Amen. It's within you. It is a power that is awesome. Oh, come into this power. Know this power. It will set you free. What will happen when we become fearless believers? Fearless. Fearless. What causes you fear this morning? What causes you fear? Would you please search your hearts right now? And let me ask you that question. What is causing you fear? For the resurrection has put an end to the fear. Hallelujah. Close your eyes with me right now. Father, the power of the resurrection is real. And you have a desire to do something in our midst. Now that your word has been spoken, our faith has been confessed, our praise has honored you honored you. Now, confirm your word in our midst.